if you need innovation, if you need knowledge workers, that is a terrible way to lead people. The most important thing for knowledge workers to be productive is a combination of autonomy and flexibility. Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with another episode. Today, I have with me Dr. Gleb back. And if you've listened to this podcast over the years, you know who that is. But Dr. Gleb, could you tell us what you're up to these days? Sure. I'm the CEO of Disaster Avoidance, experts like last time, focusing on helping folks make wide decisions about the future of work. Last time we talked, I was focusing on the pandemic and the implications and pivoting for that to not make decision mistakes. Now my focus is hybrid and remote work. So that's what I'm focusing on. I've helped 19 organizations transition to the future of work, including organizations like the Fortune 200 high-tech manufacturer Applied Materials, large insurance company Nationwide, and other organizations like this. So that's what I'm focusing on. And it's all described in my book, Leading Hybrid and Remote Teams. So again, Leading Hybrid and Remote Teams, available on Amazon and elsewhere. So the reason we are visiting today is you wrote a very interesting article that was published in Forbes.com entitled Elon Musk's Back to the Office Order Will Undermine Tesla's Future. And when I read the article, I'm not quite sure what I was expecting, but it was very different than what I was expecting. Mm. And you spoke really about culture, about trust, and a variety of issues that many of the listeners to this podcast have to deal with on a daily basis. So I asked if you would come on and talk about this article and really some of the, I thought, important insights you had from the article. Maybe we could start with what drove you or led you to write this article. I saw that Elon Musk ordered all workers back to the office because, as he claimed, and I'm quoting here, they pretend to work unquote, and then another quote that they're phoning it in, unquote. So basically that they're being really unproductive and because they're unproductive, he wants them back in the office. So that's the claim. But I have been researching hybrid and remote work for a long time, since the start of the pandemic. And I've also helped 19 organizations, including very large ones, like I said, high-tech manufacturing 20 applied materials, other companies like this transition. And so both my experience and extensive research by academics, uh, so Harvard Business School, by practitioners like SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, many other by Microsoft, they're all finding that remote work, so people working remotely, either in hybrid work, so whether they're working part-time remotely or full-time remotely, they are much more productive than their in-office equivalent. So at the start of the pandemic, for example, there was a study specifically at Stanford University that I can talk about, and it looked at the workers and their productivity. It found that at the beginning of the pandemic, so around May 2020, the productivity improvement for workers working remotely was 5%. 
So they were 5% more productive. And why is that? Well, it's understandable. They don't have to do the unpaid labor of the commute, so they can, don't have to go to the office, and they're willing to work more because they're not doing that. Two, they can focus more on do more productive activities because they're not interrupted. There's extensive research that things like open offices work much less well than cubicles, and those work much less well in private offices because of the interruptions. And so that was at the beginning of the pandemic. Now, a new study of these same people at Stanford, so comparative research, found that the productivity improvement is 9%, 9%, because people learned how to work together in a remote setting better, and it partially through the kind of work that I was doing on figuring out better methods of hybrid and remote work. So clearly, remote workers are more productive, not less productive. And what Elon Musk is claiming about remote workers pretending to work is completely not true. It's just not the fact. And so that's what really drove me to investigate the issue of what's going on at Tesla and write the article. So when I read or heard of his remarks and then read them in various journals or newspapers, I immediately thought of a top-down command and control approach to leadership. What are your thoughts on whether that could be successful in 2022 or even beyond? Well, it can be successful in only very narrow settings. So if we look at research, command and control efforts can be successful in an effort that's piecework based, where people need to do small tasks, not high productivity workers, low paid. So something like an Amazon warehouse where it's very strictly disciplined, you don't need to be highly skilled, or kind of a manufacturing job where it's kind of on the line production that you don't need to do much work. Command and control can actually work fine there. But if you need innovation, if you need knowledge workers, that is a terrible way to lead people. The most important thing for knowledge workers to be productive is a combination of autonomy and flexibility. Micromanagement in the style that Elon Musk is talking about is terrible. Additional things that Elon Musk said about them pretending to work and phoning it in, he said that they need to be at work because they need to be visible. He needs to see them and others need to see them. So they all need to be seen. This sort of Opticon, like all visible, micromanaging, looking over your shoulder experience is terrible for innovation and creativity. It shuts down ideas. It prevents people from being innovative and creative. And so that is a big, big problem. We know clearly that autonomy is what helps knowledge workers be productive and creative. The other thing that struck me about his remarks, Dr. Gleb, was the trust factor. It yeah. clearly indicated to me that Musk does not trust his employees. And when you're an employee and are told you are not trusted, that seems to me to be taking down a very dangerous road around your overall corporate culture. What are your thoughts around employee mistrust and the destruction of a positive corporate culture? Indeed, that's what micromanagement is about. You micromanage when you don't trust. So Amazon clearly doesn't trust its workers in its warehouses. And it has reasons to not trust them because they're not particularly highly paid, not that particularly highly skilled. They're very willing to leave their job. And so there's a lot of surveillance and control. And there is a reason to not trust them. So that's very well known. But when you are at a company like Tesla, which requires a lot of innovation, a lot of creativity, 
a lot of autonomy, that lack of trust speaks to what's called the illusion of control. So that's a cognitive bias, a dangerous judgment error, where we tend to overestimate the extent to which we control external events. It's especially prevalent in more authoritarian executives who really want to dominate, control their employees. They believe that having employees visible, present, guarantees productivity, (laughs) which is really not true. You know, if you look at research on in-office employees, they work much less than the full eight-hour workday. So for example, there was a study showing that they only work from 36 to 39% of their time. The rest of the time is spent on other activities, checking social media, chatting with colleagues about non-work topics, even looking for other jobs, which a lot of people at Tesla will be doing. So this is the result of mistrust. When people are disengaged, regardless of whether they're in the office, they're not going to work. When people are engaged, they will work more and they will work more productively. When you show them trust, mistrust, that lack of trust that Elon is showing by claiming that people are pretending to work and phoning it in will seriously undermine collaboration, innovation, and retention at Tesla. And I'm happy to bet on that. If we could maybe flip it, what do you see as some of the best practices in this area? So what you want to do, the crucial thing you want to focus on is engage employees and help them have appropriate autonomy and collaborate well together. So here's a a really good practice if you want innovation. Traditional brainstorming has a number of benefits. And one of the benefits is synchronicity. So the synergy is where you're able to have ideas that are inspired by the ideas of other people. Another benefit is social facilitation. So when you're in another room, ideas are flying, you are motivated and engaged. And so uh, your ideas are inspiring others and you're engaging with other people's ideas. So that's fun. That's engaging. That's great. But this modality of traditional brainstorming in the room has problems. One of these is called production blocking. So it's when you have an idea, but when other people are talking about their other ideas and you aren't able to get a word in edgewise, well, you know, you start forgetting your idea. And so brilliant ideas are forgotten. So that's production blocking. Another is evaluation apprehension. So when people are afraid of voicing ideas because they're afraid of what other people think of them for sharing ideas that might seem too out of the box or implicitly criticizing other people. A much, much more effective methodology that works great either in person or fully remotely or in hybrid settings is called asynchronous brainstorming, virtual asynchronous brainstorming. So what that involves is you separately, not synchronously, not at the same time, but asynchronously, you separately from each other generate ideas about the topic of the brainstorming and then input them into some kind of digital tool like Google Forms, or if you want a more visual tool, Mural. And a good way to do it is doing it anonymously, which addresses the evaluation apprehension. People aren't scared because nobody's going to call them out. They don't know whose idea it was. And it addresses production blocking because your idea generation and inputting is not blocked. So that's the first step. The second step is looking at that list of ideas, cleaning it up a bit, and then voting on the best ones and comments as well. And again, anonymously. So you're not afraid of evaluation apprehension. So the person with the lower status in the group and the highest status in the group don't have to worry about it. And they just vote on the ideas. So you vote on each ideas and you also comment on ideas. And then 
The third step is to have a meeting and talk about which are the best ideas, which should clearly come through by now by voting and by commenting. You can generate revised versions of the ideas now that you saw them and commented on them. So that talks to synergy. You're synergizing with other people. And of course, the social facilitation. So you tap into those benefits of traditional brainstorming. That is a very effective methodology. So I was talking about applied materials. Let's talk about that. I was giving a presentation to 400 global senior leaders of applied materials, which is a global organization that's across the world, a Fortune 200 organization, high-tech manufacturer. So 400 leaders, this is the strategy kickoff session for the CEO to plan a strategy for the next five years ahead. So the first session. What I did was, without any prep, so these people didn't know anything about asynchronous brainstorming. What I did was I had them, everyone, gave them forms, had them all generate ideas about how to use asynchronous brainstorming in the upcoming strategic planning session. And they generated right there over 80 ideas for where they can be using these techniques. And this is all in the context of less than an hour of a presentation. This was pretty short. And they really benefited, and they found that this was brilliant. They found this was very helpful. I got a testimonial from the chief human resources officer about how much it was valuable for them and how they're integrating this technique into their work. This is the kind of benefit that you can get. You would never get that from traditional brainstorming of 400 people from across the globe generating 80 ideas in under an hour. This is great. So this is an example of a technique that works really well in fully remote settings. You can use it for hybrid teams or even in-person teams if you're sitting separately. And that is the reason why productivity improved from 5% at the beginning of the pandemic to 9% now because we learned how to work better in remote and hybrid settings, including by using techniques like the virtually synchronous brainstorming, which I have an article in Harvard Business Review about. Let me turn now to Tesla specifically. We've talked about how uh, Musk's diktat, I can use that word, affects corporate culture, but you see this as uh, critical to the future of Tesla. I was wondering if you might be able to expand on that a little bit. Of course. So for the future of Tesla, let's think about what will happen. Who will stay in the company and who will leave? You have a lot of workers who are working remotely, who are not the factory workers on the job. They are the innovators, the creators. They are the research and development staff, the software engineers, these sorts of folks. And they have plenty of job opportunities elsewhere. So for example, I mentioned applied materials. They can hire a lot of their research and development folks that Tesla currently hires. And they are looking, they're in the semiconductor manufacturing business. So believe me, they hired something like over 20% of their staff during the pandemic. That's over 5,000 staff. I don't remember the exact numbers. So that uh, they are looking. Amazon is looking. Amazon right away said, told Tesla workers that, hey, we would like to welcome you to work here. <laughs> Not uh, Amazon allows its workers full remote work. Again, applied materials allows its workers flexibility with remote work. 3M apply allows, again, another high-tech manufacturer allows a lot of flexibility for remote work. Another of my clients is the Information Sciences Institute at the University of Southern California, and that is where research and development folks from Tesla can go. Again, there's a lot of flexibility, and it's a perfect place for 
software engineers, research and development people. So they have a lot of options. And the people who will leave are the people who are least conformist. So when you think about who will stay, these are people who are fine with the authoritarian culture that Elon Musk has or is orienting toward. These are people who are fine with not being trusted, with being micromanaged. These are people who are conformist, who are less innovative, who are less creative. And so you'll have what's called in psychology evaporative cooling, where a certain type of people will leave and you'll have more of another type of people. So Tesla, not only will it suffer from retention more broadly, but it will suffer from retention of the exact kind of people who keep Tesla innovative. There's a reason that Tesla is worth so much, way more than other car companies that create many more cars. It's because of their innovation. And Tesla will, over time, become less innovative because it's more innovative people will leave and the people who will want to work there are going to be the kind of people who are less innovative, less skilled, so the more conformist. And that will turn Tesla into more and more of a traditional car company. So the future of Tesla is not looking bright if this is consistent with the kind of culture that Elon Musk is orienting toward at Tesla. Uh, now let me turn to another company, Twitter. How scared or how afraid should Twitter employees be about now, Dr. Globe? I was looking at Elon Musk's transcript of a recent conversation with Twitter workers. And when the, he asked them about remote work, he gave a dodgy answer where he said that, well, you know, the most productive people may be allowed to work fully remotely, which, of course, doesn't really give much benefit. Is this like, you know, are they going to allow 0.1% of the Twitter staff who are currently working remotely to work remotely, right? This is something that definitely Twitter staff should be afraid of in terms of remote work in particular, but also more broadly, the kind of culture that Elon Musk is bringing. This authoritarian, top-down, distrustful culture is not good for any company that wants to be innovative. And a tech company, if it's not innovative, it doesn't have a good future. You know, it'll be the same as uh, various companies that have not survived because they're not innovative. So you want to really focus on innovation. <laughs> Dr. Gleb, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, your book, or really any of the topics you've touched on in this podcast, what would be the best place for them to go or to find out? My book is available easily on Amazon and elsewhere, so check it out. It's called Leading Hybrid and Remote Teams. Again, Leading Hybrid and Remote Teams. It's also available at disasteravoidanceexperts.com forward slash hybrid. That's my website. You'll find out a lot of information about the book. And from there, you can find out about me. You can also go directly to disasteravoidanceexperts.com forward slash subscribe to get an assessment on making the wisest decisions on the future of work and a course, and this is all free, making wisest decisions on the future of work. So again, that's going to be disasteravoidanceexperts.com forward slash subscribe. I'll be happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. Tell me that you heard me on the show when you send the connection request, so I accept it. Well, Dr. Gleb, I wanted to thank you again for taking time to visit with us. It's a significant topic, and your analysis, I think, will help many in the compliance field understand what goes into culture, why trust is critical, and equally importantly, what all of this means for innovation. So. 
Thank you. And I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you very much, Tom. I look forward to it as well. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.